I'm Craig Kenneth, a relationship coach and a psychotherapist. Every relationship is different and every breakup is different. Work with me and you'll get professional help on your situation. And if you're in no contact, focused on personal growth, my workbook series, The Knowledge, will help you make changes like you've never made before. Available now at AskCraig.net. Hi there, I'm Coach Craig Kenneth. I'm Coach Margaret. And today we're gonna to be talking about intense relationships. You know, a lot of times we'll find that the people that we're attracted to or drawn to in life are not necessarily the healthiest for us. Oh, I know that happens. And we can find ourselves just really drawn to somebody who mistreats us, that lies to us, they play games with us, um, they say hurtful things and then they apologize and it's just like a roller coaster. Right. And so we've got some really good information on what is going on and why we do this. Okay. Now this is uh, some thoughts from one of my favorite um, theorists. This is Patrick Carnes, C-A-R-N-E-S. And he knows an enormous about, amount about a whole lot of things. And I really enjoy his work. So mm -hmm. I will read to you from him from time to time. Now this is Patrick Carnes talking about relationships and intense relationships. Mm -hmm. This is Patrick. When you come from a family in which members showed little emotion or affection, and I hear that all the time, okay. and you meet someone around whom there are lots of feelings, okay, you might perceive this as intimacy. Okay. okay. So he's saying, if you grew up in a home where there was not a lot of love, not a lot of affection, that in your adult life, when you meet somebody who is intense, mm -hmm. it feels like affection. Mm -hmm. Yes. So there's just some kind of confusion there. Right. Okay. But it can very quickly feel like um, intimacy because at least there are feelings. You didn't grow up with any. Mm -hmm. nobody, nobody owned up to having any. Interesting. Okay? okay. But if the feelings are about high drama, betrayal, and passionate reconciliations, it is not intimacy, it is intensity. And it is both absorbing and addictive. And it immediately reminds me of a family I worked with one time. There were several adolescents, and it was a, a quite dysfunctional family. And they would go from one crisis to the other, one right after the other. The kids would get in trouble, um, the parents would get in trouble with the IRS, the absent father would somehow sue for their, the mother to support him, and there would always be a court case, always be hysteria around the court case. And there was the proverbial, never a dull moment. Wow. Okay? Okay. Um, the, that would be exhausting to live like that. It's absolutely exhausting, unless you need it. And I'm going to say more. All right. The addiction is about high arousal and high risk. In other words, the excitement is intoxicating. Okay. All right. Um, it may not be healthy, but it is intoxicating. Okay. In the mid-1970s, addiction specialists were already noticing 
that people could become compulsive about high-risk situations. Okay. okay. Solomon at Brown University described skydivers and race car drivers who would continually put themselves at risk when it was clearly insane to do so. Okay. Okay. Um, McClelland at Harvard also researched CEOs of large corporations who could not leave their offices because they were so addicted to the high drama of acquisitions and buyouts. Okay. Okay? I suppose it is really exciting. Mm -hmm. If I can buy a company, I must be pretty hot stuff, right? Yeah. Um, okay. Because they were so addicted to buyouts. In fact, the character Sherman McCoy in the novel Bonfire of the Vanities, mm -hmm. a pretty well-known book, I don't know if you've happened to read it, I did one time years ago, by Tom Wolfe, um, epitomizes this type of executive, the one who sacrifices all for living on the edge. And he may gamble his company's funds to do these things, but it's just intoxicating for him. Mm -hmm. um, the character is famous for his soliloquy on being a master of the universe, capable of living in high-risk situations. McCoy is a character written in the Greek tradition of hubris. Now you hear, you hear the word hubris oftentimes now, and that's people who feel like they have as much power as the gods. Mm -hmm. in, in Greek that's what it meant, <laughs> that you, you got way carried away with your own wonderfulness and the amount of power you have. So I'm sure that if you're a dictator or a corporate executive, I don't know how much difference there is, it's quite the rush. Okay? And it's amazing how Margaret just knows words like hubris off the top of her head and explain it like naturally, like this is her everyday talk. She didn't research this, I can promise you that, did you? No. <laughs> All the time she's like this. She'll just say anything like that out of nowhere and you're just like, huh? Where'd you get that? Anyway. Um, you hear the word hubris tossed around now um, because some people in power seem to be a little crazy about it. Mm -hmm. In many ways, this type of arousal is similar to the risk of compulsive gambling. Think about it, right? Okay. How exciting that would be. In relationships, the biggest gamble of all is the high-risk relationship. Intensity exists in relationships when there are betrayal, and victim-victimizer scenarios. Okay. Okay? Okay. So oftentimes for this kind of um, crazy relationship to exist, there has to be somebody who's in charge and somebody's being victimized. Okay. And it occurred to me as I was reviewing this for today that think about Fifty Shades of Grey, mm -hmm. right? Everybody in the country was excited by this book. Mm -hmm. Was there a victim and a victimizer? Very possibly, mm -hmm. okay? Um, intensity thrives on fear and arousal, okay. especially sexual arousal, or the fear of sexual betrayal. Wow, say that again. Okay, it's quite the heady sentence. Intensity thrives on fear and arousal, especially sexual arousal or the fear of sexual betrayal. Um, if my high-powered executive partner can have any woman in New York City, I'm going to always be concerned that he might betray me and run off with several of them. 
Yeah. So I'm always going to live on the edge. It's always going to be risky with him. And in the meantime, he's risking the fortunes of a giant corporation. Mm -hmm. So there's all kinds of risk here. Wow. Okay? How exciting. Okay? Intimacy, in contrast, starts with mutuality and respect. There is neither exploitation by abuse of power nor betrayal of trust. Okay, passion flows from vulnerability and care, mm -hmm. and is a function of the soul. Intimacy relies on safety and patience. Healthy intimacy usually has no secrets. Intensity requires secrets, secrecy and develops from it. No one can find out what we're doing. No one mm. can find out that I, I risked all the, all the money that Exxon has to buy a, I don't know, some other company, okay? Um, and you can't tell on me either. It makes me think of a email coaching I did mm -hmm. with a woman who her whole relationship was like partially in secret because she was dating her father's best friend. Absolutely. That would be the scenario. And then she broke up with him because she didn't feel like he cared about her. Mm -hmm. And so what did he do? He starts dating her boss. And so now she's got to work with her boss and the boss knew all the problems of the relationship and so she feels very betrayed wow. by the boss who she thought was her friend. Oh, that's, that's the exact scenario. Yeah. That's the exact scenario. So talk about intensity. Yeah. So she would get addicted to that, being Absolutely. there. Absolutely. It's a rush. Every day at work, your yeah. boss is giving you dirty looks. Then he's texting her. And so he's like messaging her all the time and contacting her and trying to do her favors and then trying to make the boss jealous. Wow. And everybody trying to keep her mouth shut. Yeah. Yeah. Um, intimacy hmm. pushes partners to grow. Intensity serves as a distraction from oneself. Okay. That's big. And that's the essence of it. The wild, exciting intimacy keeps you from having to worry about the probably severe problems that you carry of having been betrayed, having been abused, having been unspeakably badly hurt. Okay? That's the gig. So what Margaret is really trying to get you to see here, this is really important, is that she's looking past the symptoms. Yeah. She's looking at the root. Mm -hmm. What is causing this? What is the seed that caused right. this to, to, to be so attracted to right. these intense guys? And that dangerous fear situations. Of betrayal. And dangerous, dangerous situations. Yeah. Um, it's, explain it again. This is really important that they get this. Okay. All the confusion that gets created around you in an intense relationship is very exciting lets you feel like you got a rush and you're on a trip, mm -hmm. okay? But it also protects you from some of the demons that really haunt you. When you're in a current crisis, right, and trying to put out fires in front of you, you can't be worrying about your inner conflicts. So it's how to run away from them. So you're doing all of this, if you keep doing this in your relationships, because you're trying to avoid how you're feeling inside, right and all the hurt and the, you, and the pain you've had in your past. Okay. It's an escape. Right. Exactly. It's an escape. Yes. And the more elaborate the escape, probably the more intense the pain. Yes. Okay. If you have a cast of thousands, um, mm -hmm. 
you know, there's probably a whole lot going on inside you. Okay. All right. And we're going to tell them what they have to do about that, right? Yes. Okay, Intim I'm going to read the sentence one more time, then I'm going to go on. Intimacy pushes partners to grow. Intensity serves as a distraction from oneself and limits the possibility of growth. Conflicts that arise in intimacy result in negotiation and a clear understanding about fair fighting. Mm -hmm. Okay? Absent the fear and anxiety of intensity. Okay, in other words, you don't need to be fearful and anxious and scared to death and have all these high stakes. You can just grow. Okay? Absent are the fear and anxiety of intensity. Constancy, that means consistency. Constancy and vulnerability create more of the epic than the episodic. Alright? In other words, if you want to live in a really good relationship, you don't have episodic crises. Alright? Yep. Heavy stuff. Now... But it is stuff that we see. What do they do? Okay. If you are addicted to crazy excitement, um, probably nobody but me remembers Evil Knievel. He used to ride motorcycles over barrels every other day, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Um, he clearly liked the rush. But if you find yourself kind of addicted to crazy and semi-dangerous relationships, oftentimes with big money stakes, what you need to do is sit down, let your feelings come up, which is terrifying, that's why you've done all this crazy running, mm -hmm. and begin to put words to what has happened to you. And the thing that is usually behind all of this, always behind all of this, I will, I will go on the record with that, is childhood trauma. That it takes all this elaborate acting out to avoid. It would be ever so much easier to sit down and face it and deal with it. Yeah. Okay? And if you're able to talk about it, you are able to conquer it. If you have to keep it secret, you don't have a chance. Yeah. Okay? Oftentimes, it doesn't seem like words are adequate to solve some of the problems we hear. But they're all we have. And once you can put words to something, it never has the same power over you again. That's very important. Okay. Say that again. Once you can put words to something, or t make a narrative, tell a story of things that happened to you, they never have the same power over you that they had before. Mm -hmm. Secrets are kind of like ghosts. They only have their power in the dark. Yeah. Okay? Once you can see a ghost in your flashlight, the ghost is no more frightening. Okay? Mm -hmm. um, well, I don't know. If I saw a ghost in a flashlight, Margaret, I might run. Well, I think I might too, actually, <laughs> now that I think about it. But at least it wouldn't be an unknown. <laughs> exactly. Uh, okay. Uh, now, this is heady stuff. But if you wonder sometimes, why are there people who live in chronic and constant crisis? Because they haven't felt safe enough, for whatever reason, to be able to sit down and say, Okay, demons, you're not chasing me anymore. I'm going to look you right in the eye now, and we're going to deal with you. Okay? No. All right? Hopefully, you sit down, maybe watch this video a couple times, and really think about this. If you have found yourself with people that are very intense, but, you know, distrustful, I mean, they're manipulating you, they're betraying you, 
they're talking to other people, they're constantly keeping you on the edge, um, and then they're incredibly, oh, I'm sorry, and begging for your forgiveness, and then, you know, it's very intense. It's probably something going on with you that, you know, you're using all of this as a d distraction, right. and you've just become addicted to right. intensity. And there are people and families who live from one crisis to another. And I don't know if we said this at the beginning, but this happens a lot if they were depressed in their childhood. If they were depressed, if they were emotionally deprived, if they were traumatized. Okay. Okay. There's nothing. Um, there's nothing like a good crisis to cheer you up a bit. I can remember when I worked in the prison. I've probably told you the story before. And when I would leave on Friday, I would tell them to behave themselves over the weekend and not to get into a fist fight. Because if you're really depressed and you're in jail for the weekend, you know, it's pretty hard to make yourself feel any better. Yeah. But a fist fight will do it. Because <laughs> then you get locked up and all kinds of people get involved and all kinds it's of intense. things happen. It's intense. Yeah, it's intense, exactly. Yeah. So it would kind of make you feel alive again. Yeah. You know. And you know, um, one of the things that I have seen a lot in breakups is that the person that broke up with you, the dumper, was depressed Often and then depressed. they found somebody else right away right. why probably because they had been depressed and numb for a long time and finding somebody new all of a sudden they right. have all this excitement these yep. chemicals and hormones are released and that's a part of the reason they broke up with there you. goes the adrenaline again one of the ones i hear fairly frequently is constant crisis over an ex who's taking somebody to court and they're fighting about custody and there were courts and lawyers and that's a kind of crisis that can go on for years mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. yeah. all right so good video make sure you give margaret a thumbs up for that one i know it's it's heavy stuff to um to absorb don't think i did in 10 minutes it's <laughs> taken a lot of years to be able to explain this believe me almost, but it's worth it almost 900 years almost 900 <laughs> years it's taken me to figure this out right of course when you want to get our help personally just go to my website askcraig.net sign up for the coaching option that works best for you i do email coaching and i do skype margaret is also available for skype coaching Yes, I'd love to talk with you if you want to sign up with me. And I promise to tell you at least three obscure words and their meaning. <laughs> Just click on Margaret on the top of the website and that's the way you can sign up with her. And believe me, she could do a lot more than three obscure words. Yeah. Uh, but that's it for this video. I'm Coach Craig Kenneth. I'm Coach Margaret. And we will talk with you soon.